Oh my god. That yeah, I finally did it. And this was the best one. You fucking did it. Oh my god. I am the worst human on planet Earth. Oh, fuck. Larry asked me every single time to press record. So it's Larry's fault. No, it's my fault. <laughs> no, but he didn't ask. I didn't hear him. Oh my God. My heart just dropped, dude. I feel so bad. Oh man. Well, <laughs> yeah, we just had the most brilliant 45 minutes ever discussed in the NFT. Like world. legitimately just beautiful conversation. <laughs> Well, at least we can skip all the part about my my rough childhood. There we go. (laughs) Exactly. And the ex-wives. The boys got PhDs when it comes to talking about NFTs. And that's nifty. That's nifty. They come to this place to talk about the crypto space And that's nifty, that's nifty, that's nifty Your hosts for tonight's podcast are Tyler, Larry, and Slime Sunday Damn, that's nifty This is a take two Oh lord Go ahead Tyler So yeah, this is, I'm Tyler We got (laughs) Don't even do this again I mean, I gotta. We have to. I didn't get it. Uh, there's nothing to get. You, you did fine. It's great. What's up, right, threesomes? Right. <laughs> I don't even know how to come in anymore. Well, I'm I'm threesomes, right? And uh, <laughs> and I started making NFTs June first. Fucking June first. And uh, I quit my my corporate job. Quit it. And uh, the end of April having never sold a piece of art and uh and i said i'm going to be a professional artist and i did it so it's the story of legend and hopes and dreams and the great great uh you know path to success here as a degenerate who fucks around with baseball cards and, and <laughs> talks talks with people who are far more uh, messed up and twisted in this world because they follow follow me down all of this so so your story is actually really different than anyone else we've talked to because you aren't digitally native. You're not like big into crypto or anything like that. And you would never sold a painting before June 1st, right? So that's like completely different than anyone else we've talked to. Yeah, I've been painting for for four years. Um, seriously, where, where, where I was saying, okay, this is, this is kind of what I want to do with my life. This is where I want to go with it. I've, I've done a lot of things before those, well, actually before April 22nd, <laughs> when I walked away from it all. But um, I've, I've had a, a pretty varied life. And and so, you know, uh, I'm coming up at the end of, a, of my most recent divorce, which has been a very expensive divorce and meant that I was sort of not working for myself anymore. I was just working for for that whole situation. And it's about to... to you know, finish up here that little run, and so I've been looking towards what I was going to do uh, for myself, regardless, and and decided years ago, you know, four years ago, that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to paint, and so I, you know, I'd been painting, but I I hadn't really focused on it, and so with that focus over over the course of I don't know the first six months or so, I actually got into this habit of of painting on my old baseball cards, 
because I'd, I'd been a major collector as a kid, like a ridiculous collector of cards. So, so wait a second, you haven't, you, you never painted on cards before? No, I never painted on cards before. <laughs> a couple years ago. Is that, am I the only one? Have you been doing it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been my yeah. I mean, I lived town. a very solitary existence up in the fucking mountains when I was a kid. So for all I know, everybody was doing it. I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I just started painting on them, and and really because they were just here. I am getting old and wanting to like narrow down my life and become more of a minimalist. And I look around, and in the like few years before I started painting on cards, I kind of gotten back into them again. And I acquired like hundreds of thousands of them, even though I'd gotten rid of my whole million plus collection from when I was a kid. Now here I am like later in life and I am doing it again. And I, one day I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? And, and I started defacing them basically. And so, um, I'd been playing with, with different media and had, had started playing with gouache, which, um, which is all I use now for this, for this project and it just made sense to to really sort of play with it i get a lot of texture and depth out of it that that isn't typical because of the the card stock i think and what is pretty resilient and what it lets me do with it and so all of a sudden i found myself really able to to transform these things and we go back like two and a half three years now where i i i started to build this sort of parallel baseball universe uh, populated by these teams, which are now part of all these, these NFTs that I've done that are, are anything but baseball players. So these are this, and I'm, you gotta understand, I'm, I'm like crazy autistic baseball rain man. Yeah. From when I was a kid, like I, I knew everything. I, I, I was just obsessed. Okay. Like bad, like not the, not the cute way, like, like <laughs> obsessive. Okay. So I've been thinking about baseball in these wacky intellectual philosophical terms for a very long time and, and came up over the years. I mean, since I was like nine with this sort of parallel universe of baseball. But as I painted on these cards, I started the, 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 the team, as, as we'll call it, you know, that, that came out of it, that really sort of launched this idea of this series for me was I, I started painting uh, some ex-boyfriends. Okay, so I, I, I thought of a team that was entirely composed of ex-boyfriends. Now, not my ex-boyfriends, um, but I, I would be one of them, right? I'd be many of them. Many of the, the ex-boyfriends are sort of, you know, stories of my life. But, but the idea being you have a, an entire team made up of somebody's ex-boyfriends. I didn't you know, know you did that one first. That's funny. That's the one I did first. That's what got me started on these teams. Oh, and so the, just that concept, because before I was sort of doing these like one-off paintings, there wasn't, I was just playing with, it was just sort of maybe a pun or a, or a twist of a phrase or a, or a look or something like that, that, that I would just run with for one thing, but they were, they were like standalones. They didn't, they didn't jive together. There wasn't like a cohesion to them. But when I started this, the, the concept of every one of these guys is something and now they're a baseball team, that's where it started to click. And so before I even started minting them, I had completed 12 teams. Okay. And a wow. team in baseball is like 25 players. Right. 
<laughs> and so I, I have like many, many hundreds of these things that I've painted over the last few years. For a while, I was painting one a day when I could. When I, when I came into this space, in December, I, I heard about the NFT space, and I had a feeling that it would play well with what I'm doing. At this point, you have to understand, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to leave my corporate gig. I'm thinking about it, and I've decided I'm going to be a professional painter. Having I, I didn't, I didn't have anything on Instagram. I, I never, I'd shown these cards to like four people that weren't, you know, lovers. <laughs> and and so I heard about this NFT thing. And realized that it could actually play well. And I'd, I'd been involved in digital trading cards and, and digital collectibles, um, sort of at a professional level for a while. But but they were, you know, it's branded and 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 pretty slick and 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 nothing like what I'm doing. So as I'm imagining being this professional painter painting baseball cards, the best I could hope for would would you know have have 600 of these things and have 600 people who have one in their home. You know, I don't know. I, like, it didn't really make sense to just make these cards as single paintings that then don't live together. And so it's either I'm just going to sit in my room like I did when I was nine and play with my little baseball collection, or I'm going to figure out a way to to make enough of them that, that I create sort of, you know, a trading card out of them, right? Yeah, a whole universe. Yeah, exactly. And that, because if until somebody's wanting it and buying it and selling it and trading it, it doesn't fucking matter, right? And so when I heard about the NFTs, I thought this actually could be what I what I want it to be. And so that was like in December and into January. And so by January, I stopped focusing at work a lot and spent an awful lot of my day learning the NFT market. And you know, sort of like one foot out the door type of thing at work. And so to do that, I bought a lot of junk on Nifty <laughs> and spent a lot of money in there and lost a lot of money because I happened to really start buying like the second week of March, which was a really good decision. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I watched everybody make a lot of money in January and February. And then I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to start doing this. <laughs> so, <laughs> um but I, I really jumped in and I got very deep into it and as a buyer. And, and then, of course, that led me to first, the you know, I set up my Discord just to learn about NFTs, right? Like my personal Discord. And I went into to the Nifty Gateway Discord and Nifty Club and started hanging out with those guys. But I'm just like alert. I'm just, I'm, I'm not engaged with them, right? I'm just sort of watching the whole thing, taking notes. And what happens is I start to realize that these artists that are the big artists that are sort of these giants um, that I'd never heard of them before, maybe December, maybe January. Some of them I was learning about in March, never heard of them. And these were like major Titans in the whole NFT space. And that's where I started to conceive the idea of, of the NFTs that became that first team that I minted and, and, and got me started as threesomes. And that would that would be I took these guys these 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 artists and and put them into baseball cards and so I made an entire team of of NFT artists and I think the first five were Dot Pigeon people Stephen Balte and uh, Esteban Diacono 
Esteban, <laughs> still, Esteban still doesn't even have his like release yet. He hasn't even been out there. But I really liked his stuff. So I was like, ah, he's cool. Uh, and once he like said hi to me on Discord, so I'm like, ah, yeah, there's a connection. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I have these first five. And what I did is I, I sent, I, I like put them on an Instagram, which is when I came up with threesomes as my name. And um, I just put them on an Instagram and I like tagged these guys. And Dot Pigeon, you know, replied and and we started talking and and he thought it was cool because you know he's a, he and that's that's sort of a part of this whole project for me is that the, the baseball card really is like a cool thing outside of America <laughs> like it's sort of a dweeby nerdy you know very much pigeonholes you in the states as a certain type of person to like and collect <laughs> baseball cards but in the rest of the world they only know them from like movies. And, you know, they think of them as like this American nostalgic thing, right? Even even soccer cards really aren't like a thing most places. The, the way that they do soccer cards in Europe and Latin America, they're, they're not like ours, right? They're not putting them in their bicycle spokes. And so when I, when I approached Dot Pigeon on it, he just thought it was like the coolest thing. And, and we talked and I asked him if he minded if I would mint it. And he, he gave me the go ahead and, and eventually he's, he's given me access to to use balaclava guy and and um and i've you know made a, a few of them at this point um and so when he started out then then little by little like the others started reaching out and by the end everybody but diacono has seen their card and talked to me about it in a whole bit and and magda madoc jones was the first to say oh you got to do this guy you got to do this guy oh you gotta you gotta bring the ladies in what about blake bring blake in and so he made this like list for me of people to make but all I have is my Instagram with, at that point, maybe 90 followers. And those 90 followers are composed of, like, 20 Dot Pigeon followers. <laughs> because they all found me when he, like, put me in his story, okay? And the rest are just women I slept with in the past. <laughs> it's the threesome <laughs> like, way. That is the threesome way. And it's that's exactly, like who is seeing it. So nobody is seeing this stuff. There's literally like a bunch of Italians who like my things that I post over there, but they, you know, they don't know what the hell I'm doing. And so it's, it's like a nothing thing, but I, I meant my first one um, on foundation, uh, Lorem de Loop. Um, he actually, he's, he's a, 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 an artist. He was on foundation and, and I think he's on super rare, but he's, 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 he's cool. He had a nifty drop as well. Um, but he saw them and really liked them. And so he he gave me a foundation invite and I minted the first Dot Pigeon card. And I swear, I thought that like Dot Pigeon was going to buy it. I was going to be like, Dot Pigeon bought my card for half ETH. This is when ETH is like almost 4,000. <laughs> right. And I'm like, this is going to be easy. And I, I was like, hey, Dot Pigeon, I just minted. And he's like, cool, bro. <laughs> and, <that> was, <laughs> and then I was like, whoa, oh no. And nobody knew about it. And that fucking thing sat there for like six weeks. It was still sitting there when I quit my job. And that's when I heard about it. Well, I actually, because I was doing all this research and stuff, I, I heard about Hick like the day it dropped. Like Hick, Hick had no, you know, and um, I, I, I was looking at it at the very beginning. But I was like, there's no way this has legs, with no interface, no anything. And so I actually like just walked away from it. But I, I heard it, it started to pick up some traction and that's where I found out about, you know, the low minting on Tezos and, and everything. And so um, the minting makes it possible to do these addition sizes that I do now. And, and, and 
putting them on the blockchain, you know, makes it all possible to to create that world. So then that's what I did is I started with those first NFT artists and I, I dropped 15 of them in the first series, which we call series two, uh, because the, the dot pigeon was technically series one. It's fascinating. I love that it's like a, the first one's like an homage to the space. Yeah. And it was really about like, it fit right in with this concept that I had of these teams made up of non-baseball people. And yet you're putting them on a baseball card, which is like the pinnacle of American you've made it this, right? Right. You can uh, remember as a kid, it's like, it's the, um, the metaphor you go to when you're thinking about like, if you had a baseball card, what would your stats be? Like, that's what your brain would go to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's certain ages where we sort of define our moments by like what the big card was at that time. You know, like there was, there was this, you know, a feeling of things like, you know, Bob Costas, the sportscaster famously carries around in his pocket just to be pompous and nonsensical, but he, he carries around like a 1952 Mickey Mantle baseball. Card. Wow. Like, with him wherever he goes right and it's it's just sort of that thing that like americana nostalgia thing and so to take that and then give it to somebody who is not a baseball player i just thought it was fascinating that's where it goes back to thinking of those exes thinking of a team where they're just people's ex-boyfriends and their position instead of it being like pitcher and catcher it's it's like too good a dancer or um Help me out here. You've, you've been playing with them this week. What other uh, ones? We have yeah. cosplay all the time. Oh, yeah. Cosplay <laughs> all the time. He's dressed like <laughs> Luke in, in Return of the Jedi, right? Um, I'm a Jimmy Buffett RV. fan. Jimmy Buffett fan. Uh, farm boy stank because he's just got these pit stains and looks like he would be a smelly farm boy. And, you know, whatever. Whatever the reason is, bad kisser. Um, but just the, the reason now is their position. So I, I painted out where it would say pitcher and I, you know, put not even Jamaican to the guy who's <laughs> not like even totally, totally a- rostered out. And yeah, he's like from, you know, Montreal. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, and it's uh, just for everyone out there. It's not all about just collecting the cards. You've made this kind of a fun game with, um, you know, every card has utility behind it and, a card's never done with its utility. Right. I mean, that's everybody always, you know, when, since we've introduced this idea of, of utility, they're like, well, what, what's the, what's this utility? What's this card going to be able to do in the future? And I just, I flatly answered that all threesomes have future utility because they do. I mean, and this goes back to that being the baseball card collector as a kid and, and hating the fact that the most, most of the cards you would get in the pack were junk. They were commons. They were useless, which is why I have, stacks of hundreds of thousands of them around me that I paint on now because they're useless. They're, they're just pieces of paper. And so for me, as, as I, you know, sort of developed this little parallel baseball card universe, it was that idea that every card matters and you're going to want it and it's going to come in handy and you're going to use it. And it's, it's either going to be very valuable from a you know, monetary standpoint, or it's going to have, mega utility to allow you to get even more of them down the road. I basically laid most of what you have been playing with this week. Um, I laid it out over the last, you know, 10 years or so. Um, That's crazy. Right. With all really, the different, um, like the idea of having all these different teams. 
Yeah, well, the teams, but also just the way that the cards interact and stuff. Um, oh, wow. You've already had like that idea floating around. Oh, yeah. No, that's this. All of this utility and stuff. I didn't just come up with this on the fly. Um, this is how my mind has worked. I mean, I back when I was nine and I sort of invented this nonsense in my head. It, it had a lot of this to it, right? It goes, it did. It really goes back to when I was nine and I was like, how come some cards suck and you don't want them and other cards do? And so I've been playing with this for a very long time as far as how to make this happen, but technology wasn't there to allow me to do it. This um, was absolutely perfect for you. It really, I mean, that's, <sighs> it's, it sure was perfect on in my mind and on paper. But Is it just you know, so validating that like, you had this idea and then this platform comes along that's like, oh my God, this just makes perfect sense. There's there's definitely some validation. It, it's the way I look at it. It's like everything I've done has led to this, um, which sounds so wild, but it really is. You know, a lot of my like, look, I'm as an artist and I, I you know, I want to be an artist. I want to be a painter. I wanted to leave my, my life behind and, and be a painter. And there's a lot of people that do that. There's a lot of people that start out wanting to be a painter. And there's some people that end up wanting to be a painter. And most people don't really get to live that life and make their money off of it. And it's strange that, you know, I'm basically other than the foundation debacle, which worked out fine in the end anyway. But other than that, you know, I, I minted the first dot pigeon card because that first series that I, I released on on hand and I release one every day, right? To com to to compose that first series of fifteen cards was the NFTs team, and so the first one released was dot pigeon, and I, I minted twenty two of them and they sold out in nineteen minutes, and the next day was Beeple, and I did twenty nine of those and they sold out in literally like under two minutes. And then from then on, every single one sold out in under a minute. Oh, so you put a set number of additions on those? Oh yeah, no, and that's, and the, the additions are very precise as to huh. <laughs> how, so yeah, they, they change. Um, people who, who sort of pay attention and figure out what's going on, it's, it's there. I mean, there's a lot of, I like, <laughs> I like to say in the grotto that I'm like pack, but I have lots of sex. <laughs> There's a lot of like puzzle solving and and madness to all of this. I'm I'm pack if you had lots of sex and didn't know how to draw anything on a computer. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about all the ways that I'm different than pack, and it's like you make a whole series of it. Just say, yeah, I am pack. <laughs> you do have the but, answer, the the pack scratch off card. Well, that the, the 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 award for getting all fourteen of the first series that we did on hand was the award was a, a pack scratch off. And so it's, there was a, a series in 1970 called baseball scratch off. And the idea being it was a card and you opened it up and inside there were like little boxes that you would take a coin and rub off to play a game, right? But on the front, it just had a goofy picture, like a, a, a bust, like a head of a ball player. And what I did is I, I sort of combined those two and I, I took that scratch off material on the inside, that silver that we all know from, you know, lottery tickets or whatever. And, and I put it over Pac's face. And so <laughs> mysterious Pac is uh, to be revealed with a coin. That's all you need is to rub a coin across it. And so, you know, it, it, 
even as I'd started, and the, the, one of the fun parts of all this is people sort of guessing what's going to be next and who's going to be the next person. And, and, you know, sometimes they actually were guessing right and other times they're way off. But there were a lot of people guessing, like, how is he going to do pack? And so for me, it was this to, to do it where you need a coin to scratch it off to see. Who <laughs> you do need some coin. You do. Exactly. Probably an ash token. Yeah. Well, I, I just I, I do want to say that, you know, I I was able not just through the paintings and talking to guys, but through the discords and everything to meet an awful lot of these artists whether it was just in sort of that discord passing where it was just like little, little conversations asking them this or that. But Pac and I had a really nice, like long running conversation over the course of like six weeks or so. And I, I do sort of in the grotto play a lot of like me versus Pac. Um, But that's what happens when you stop responding to my texts. (laughs) Pac, please call him back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, it's okay because all I decided to do was go make a, a, a NFT based utility game that actually works. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've just got introduced to you um, by a special guest of the show, Naple Roost um, from the Dot Pigeon Gang. So, that's, I just learned that whole story about, you know, how the Dot Pigeon Gang started following you in the first place. So, good to well, learn yeah. that connection. Well, and, and what what happened there is is because Dot Pigeon had given me access to to the character, and I'd painted those. When I first dropped them, and the, the the Dot Pigeon guys, like half of those twenty two were like people because Dot Pigeon tweeted it out, right? Right. And and so then they found me, and by the time you know five days in, when I had my Discord up and going, the the Grotto, it's like a third of the the crew is like Dot Pigeon guys. <laughs> In fact, when, when the grotto is quiet, all I have to do is go into Dot Pigeon House, and there they all are. And I just lure them back. <laughs> just rile up the pigeons. Exactly. It's the after party. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's dive into like how these drops work because you run this stuff right out of your Discord, out of the grotto. Yeah. So the first two series that are that are released through Hen Series Two and Series Three, um, I did traditional Hen where I minted them. I, I let my 12 Twitter followers know. Uh, <laughs> and and they, they would sell out. But they'd sell out pretty quickly. And I, and, and I realized pretty quickly that eventually I was going to have to change that, that mechanism. Now, I was noticing at the time people were getting two. You know, it was pretty common. Yeah. I used Hen a lot in the month leading up to, the, to my first mint. So I could really understand what the user experience was. And I knew how you could sort of buy a bunch quickly, you know, with like a second browser window open and stuff like that. So that's what people were doing and getting two of these things, which was fine because it, it, they would then put one up for sale and it gives some liquidity to the market. But I knew it was going to be a problem down the road the way that that I'd seen the exact same thing happen at Nifty Gateway where it became impossible for the little guy to ever get anything, right? Yeah. And so... So I really was like dead set. And even, even before Hen had its outage, I knew I was going to figure out a way to get away from the bots. And so the last drop of Series 3, 35% of them went to bots and like mm-hmm. known, known botting accounts. And they put them up right away. And so I just bought them. I just I bought the floor um, just to, to give them a little money, get them out of the way. But I knew that would be the last time they'd be buying from me. And so for the next series, um, 
<laughs> I, did, I needed to get a feel for it and see Hen was down. And so the Grotto wanted a series and I was happy to, to oblige. Um, and so the first two drops of series four, you just had to DM me that you wanted in. <laughs> and then I made a little spreadsheet with everybody who was DMing me that day and then drew from that. And, and we, and I was like, okay, these 22 people have the right to buy number one. And they would send me their one Tez, <laughs> which we got to get into like that, the pricing dynamic, cause it's key, but, but, you know, they'd send me their one Tez for, for number one in series four. And then the next day I would do it again and they'd send two Tez for number two or whatever. And it was fine, but it was a, a lot of, a lot of work to be honest. And so by, by day three, I was like, let's get a, a Google form going here and sort of make it, make it a little more streamlined. And then by day four, now I'm looking, now I get to see the numbers and, and we, you know, I'm tracking how many people are trying for these, these cards. And let's say at that point, I'm at like 60 or 70 people trying for every one of those drops, um, which means like a third or half are going to get the card. What I decided to do was, was open up this other account called the Vault, which allowed for people to contribute one Tez into the Vault every drop day that they want to. It's, all, it's totally optional, but it gives you a second entry into the drawing. And so not only does it double your chances, but, but you can actually win two because you can be drawn from your public entry plus the vault entry, right? Which happened to me this week. Yeah, it did. You hit, you hit two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Today, there were there were 100 and I think 13 entries, and one guy hit two of the 22. Damn. Because, because that is of his high multiple. odds. Wow. Oh, yeah. And, and he immediately sold one for 5X to one of the guys that missed. So, Boom. Um, but... But so then, so so now that's the standard, and that's what we do. So every day to get in on the public drop, which we do Monday through Friday, um, there's a Google form. So I post it on Twitter and I post it in the Discord. And really, I'm trying to move everybody to the Discord because it's about the community. I mean, it really is an active community. There's an active community to the the trading my goofy baseball cards, buying and selling and seeing who's got what. But there really is this community because it's just this vibe that we have and and it's just a place where we like to hang out and it's, you know, I'm an old man and I always just wanted to have that be like the guy who had the club. Yeah. And you just I, go in there and joke around between like work calls and it's a place to get yeah, away. It's, and it's all like it pretty much, I mean, it gets weekends. It's funny. And that's why I always joke that weekends it's, it, it gets very lonely because all the wives and girlfriends are like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you, <laughs> why are you buying those? That's why I stopped doing drops on weekends too, because it wouldn't sell as well because <laughs> Like they had to justify why you were spending dollars. <laughs> I've been there. Um, but but yeah, so it's a little little down on weekends. But honestly, with with the fact that we've got collectors all over, I mean, it's it's pretty rare that there's nobody in there just talking. Even as we're doing this, I'm sure there's 15, 20 people in there just chopping it up. And you know, I'm I'm, I'm vulgar and a degenerate, and I make sure that that's the atmosphere in there. I forget who some somebody came in today, like brand new, and we like greet them when they come in, and I was like, pants optional, and everybody's like, no pants, fuck that, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, I I've invited a couple people, and I tell them ahead of time, I'm like, it's just so you know, don't don't be getting in there with your six year old daughter on your knee. Yeah, <laughs> but it's fun, and and that's and that's the thing, and it drives this whole engagement around it. It really, it becomes something where 
it very much feels community based. That's why I even as, during this interview, I'll, I'll say we a lot. I do it because it, it's really it's the, the the bunch of collectors and me doing this together. I already figured out all the mechanisms. I figured out this, the teams and the series and all of that as we play through this. But without them, it doesn't matter. Like it, if if I don't have the people buying and, and selling and trading them and and you know, there's some people who strictly do it for the money because it's great money in a time where you know not all NFT drops are are really solid investments. And then you've got people that do it because they're just like into the feel of the community. So I mean, I'm really, really grateful to everybody in there. It seems like you got it covered. I, I everyone's got to respect the uh, the structure. I'm always curious with how everything's changed to how people are, are adjusting as as you, as you go. But there's so many layers to what you're doing. It's it's it it has me flipping through trying to decide where I'm getting in. What's my most strategic way to get in? Because the uh, the long term in in kind of keeping people connected aspect to it is in the community that you're trying to build. That's what keeps people around is seeing six months from now, I'm still entering a drawing <laughs> to where I can hit my addition number, you know? Right. Exactly. I mean, that's, you can be a passive collector to a degree yeah. and, and still have those opportunities. You're anybody who holds an, a, a base card is automatically entered into a drawing to buy the corresponding base card. So if you have a series two, number four, Every number four, series three, five, 12, 20, 60, you'll be entered in to the drawing to be able to buy those. And that's what it's all about. When you have 120 people trying to buy 20 cards, it's really just about that, the opportunity to buy. You know, I, I liken it to the, the nifty gateway drawings, right? Where everybody puts their, their, their name in the hat and there's only 20 people drawn out. But it's just me drawing <laughs> those names and going... <laughs> Wow, yeah, there's 750 that are variations of, you know, Andrea Romero. Yeah, <laughs> we've seen it. Oh my. Yeah, God. no, I know, I know. That's the thing because of, of of my background and stuff. When I saw the way that that a lot of these these draws were happening and, and how it was playing out, you know, I, I joke that I I don't joke. I'm dead serious that I'm taking on pack by actually pulling off this utility. But I'm also dead serious that I'm taking on sort of that that shady drop mechanism, you know, where there's, there's ways to, to get in the door that, that aren't across the boards equal to everybody. And I really want anybody who, who comes into the threesomes world to have a shot because otherwise it's, you know, nifty gotten, if I hadn't been sort of researching through nifty and had the means to do so, I would have felt so slighted come April as, oh. as it really became obvious that you just never had a chance. And just to vouch for you being such an upstanding citizen, I actually, when I submitted my one test today for my extra entry, I sent it to you directly instead of sending it to the vault. And then you sent it back to me and told me in Discord where to actually send it. So like threesomes in running away with your test anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and here's the thing. I mean, I'm... <sighs> This is what I want to do with my life. It sounds fun as Genuinely. shit, dude. You get to paint cards and then just orchestrate this crazy card game and keep all the stats involved with it. Because I know from hearing the way your mind works and being involved in baseball, you must love statistics. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I love them. I, I, and that's, and I, I'm pretty intense on, on the stats that I keep on all of you guys and how this plays out and how these cards move around and everything. Um, and, and yeah, that's to me, you know, to be able to paint every day and play this little baseball game, which has nothing to do with baseball. And that's, <laughs> I mentioned it to you guys before that, that there's so many of my collectors that are international and I've had people, um, one of our big collectors, you know, goes by Basilda. Um, but, you know, she's she's basically out of Moscow, had never has never seen a baseball game, only knew about baseball cards because of American movies. Didn't give a shit about it. Thought it was stupid, the baseball cards, but came in because she knew that people were getting 100x returns <laughs> and she's all about the money. Right. And now she's in and she loves it. She's mm-hmm. one of the most vocal people in the grotto because it sort of clicked for her as as an art project and as as a, a utility mechanism for NFTs. And th- that's, that's the thing. I get to do that where I'm playing, not just with the, the, the art side of it, but I get to play with all these systems and, and, you know, pl- you know, playoffs that I've sort of come up with over the years. And human dynamics. I mean, Basilda's out there looking for, uh, I think uh, one of the cards to complete her chase. I saw her like looking for a trade today. Oh yeah. Well, she she what she did. You know, one of the one of the, the the utilities, and all cards have these utilities, but some have very specific utilities. And so there there's some that are, are voting inserts. Okay, and you use those to vote on that that vault account where that that extra tes goes for the for the uh, additional drawings. That 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 money builds up, and we use it to buy back threesomes cards off the secondary or to invest in, you know, emerging artists that, that we like or something like that. But that's dictated in sort of a DAO sense, right? Where it's like voted upon by the members. But the way that you vote is by owning those those tokens, those NFTs that you use as a voting mechanism. So you vote a red one if you want to burn it, you vote a blue one to send it to the vault. There's a purple, which you can vote either way, right? And so the very first vote, I'd actually, <laughs> it was when I bought those five, the blobs, because that series was all old movie monsters, right? Mm-hmm. And so the blob, Ron, Ron Klein, who's just a ball player, <laughs> it's just, and that one you know, I painted, I don't know if you, you've got it there to look at, Larry, but it's, you know, it's a ball player that's about to throw a ball and everything, and the blob is like just totally taking over his body. I love that one. <laughs> anyway, I bought, I bought a bunch of them back from those bots, and so there they are sitting in the vault. And so I, I come up with this voting mechanism. Well, I, I come up with it, but I, I launch it, right? And I tell everybody, okay, so there's only 25 people that own one of these. They're the ones that probably want to vote to burn them so that they drop down in, in quantity, right? In addition count. And everybody else can vote to keep them and then I'll give them away to anybody that voted to keep them. So this seems like a slam dunk, right? There's only 25 people that own them. There's 100 plus people that don't have one. All those 100 plus, you just vote for it and then the red people are never going to have a chance. And Basilda, who owns one, goes out and rallies. She like puts together the, this red wave coalition. <laughs> She's like, like you know, perfect. people. Like, how many votes can I count on for you? And puts together this whole thing and fucking undermines my whole idea of showing <laughs> the little guys that they've got a chance. And it was like 130 to 12. Like it was <laughs> nonsense. And so, but that's the thing. That's exactly what I want happening at all times. I want people to figure out their angles. And there are angles built into all of this. And most of you have missed out on a lot of them still, which is great. There's there's still to be un- uncovered, right? But I want the community 
to sort of figure it out. And so that's why we've set up, there are different rooms that you can get into, into the Discord where I don't even have access, which allow you to sort of talk about, you know, with the, the community manager will have access to it, but he's a collector too. But talk I didn't about you, you, did, you don't have access to some of those rooms? You don't have access because you don't have a series two zero zero one dot pigeon. Oh, that's true. That's a that's an exclusive room for what? How many people? There's 18 people that have those 21 cards. Wow, lock the market but then. But that you know that's that's the, that's the one where where one one person last weekend bought one. He's he, I say he has. So I've already outed half of them. But but he 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 was the first one to to sell the dot pigeon on the secondary market the night that that they sold out. The very first one I did. He bought it for one Tez and he sold it for ten in a couple hours and thought he was just the man. 10X. 10X, why not, right? 10X on every investment, we're, we're going home early. And instead, he watches it go to 70 and 90 and 110. And so he bought back in, and now he's back in the Dot Pigeon group there uh, for 569 Tez on Friday. <laughs> wow. And yet right now the floor is like 1,000, I think, right? And so, so yeah, I mean, it's... There's there's a lot of that that I want. I want sort of these little trading groups to form, and I do a lot of I I do middleman for everybody. Um, they sell off network, and they send me the card, and they send me the tes, and I you know flop them back and forth between the two people. That way you never have to worry. Oh, I don't know this guy. You know, is this a, a, a safe off network deal? So I wanted to dive in. So you talked about the inserts and how those kind of work. Can you explain like uh, the chases and the rewards with those? Yeah, definitely. So each series, um, they vary in length. Uh, the first one was was 15. And that meant that there were there were you if you got one through 14, you would be airdropped 15. But I also set it up where if you got one through six, that was the only way to get seven. And then if you got eight through 13, that was the only way to get 14. So in order to complete the set, you had to actually have them sort of in order you to to, to get them you know to get them in a timely fashion to get that first airdrop but if you did it you ended up getting three airdrops um out of the 13 cards that you you started out with and so this the the next series that was a smaller series where there were only eight and then one of them was airdropped and there i didn't do the first six what i did is i had a an insert set before that and you had to burn all three of those inserts um, which had varying uh, addition counts. And if you burned all three, then you unlocked, you got an airdrop of number seven to complete your set. Those are dads to be. And I did that around Father's Day. I'd actually painted one of them a couple of years ago, right? Oh um, my God. They're, they're uh, pregnant men, by the way, if you wanted to so one of them's naked. So there. uncomfortable to look at. <laughs> so, so I decided to do the, the, the little three uh, burn mechanism, right? And so I released the first one of the 133 of them for 0.33 tests. And it's, this is all about, like, the most that I've charged for a, a, a card that wasn't a one-on-one -on -one is, is 20 Tez. And that's the most I'll ever charge for a base card, right? Um, and and so 0.333 Tez for threesomes. And there were 133 of them sold out in a minute. And then the next day, I dropped 69 of them, of course. And <laughs> they were 0.69. And they sold out in a minute. And then the third day before Father's Day, I, I dropped the third one. So the first two were just different different uniforms of this same guy. They're the same card, a 1979 Paul Russell, right? But the third one, I had the most fun painting it because of what I decided to do. 
was to copy the like Vanity Fair pregnant pictures. The, oh like, yeah. The, the, the magazine covers where they have, you know, somebody who's just looks angelic as she looks to the skies with her big baby bump. And, <laughs> and so I, I did that, but I, I made this, you know, pretty obese uh, ball player there, the, the pregnant dad. And so I, I actually, that's model. The model I used for him was Serena Williams. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the exact pose. If you look up the Serena Williams, you'll see that the hand placement is exact. <laughs> so. That's a fun nugget. And, and what but, is, what's that one trading for right now? And then that's just an insert. Well, so here's the thing. There were 33 of the of Naked Dad to Be, right? That's all I released. 22 of them got burned by 22 people who were trying to chase number seven for their set. Right. Which left only 11 of them. Okay. They cost 133. I don't know if one's listed, but if it is, I think maybe 250 is the lowest it's listed. Wow. I, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not sure. But but again, all threesomes have future utility. So even though those served like a specific purpose, that's not to say that they won't be used to serve another specific person purpose, right? That's a that's a good hint out there because I believe the other two dads to be are pretty affordable right now. Yeah, they are affordable, and and yeah, I mean. We can let's go ahead and do that. Let's make it uh, only known to the podcast listeners that yeah. we need all three dads to be sneaky butt. You'll love what you get. <laughs> Believe, me. Believe me. Oh my god! And there's a couple other utilities that we haven't touched on. Let's talk about what's going on with Godzilla. Do we finish out that one already? Yeah. Well, uh, so by the time this comes out, it will be done. Um, what we did is. So Godzilla is a one of one. All the series ones, that goes back to that first dot pigeon that I minted on foundation, right? What I ended up doing with, with dot pigeon was I, I burned it on foundation and then I reminted it on hen so that it became part of the ecosystem here. And and then I auctioned it. And and it ended up going for 666 Tez. Um, mm. And this is two weeks into to this whole thing, right? Which is a nice little chunk of change. Uh, for somebody that, you know, is Never still an art piece. <laughs> exactly. It's just ridiculous sometimes when I think about it. But um, the neat thing about that one is the owner of it is one of one of our big, big collectors who just loves everything. He doesn't want to ever sell anything. But he turned down publicly in the grotto um, another big collector who's who actually owns more overall threesomes than the other guy. But he doesn't own that, that series one. But he offered him 5,000 Tez. And he turned it down. And the next day, and this is like literally six, six, maybe seven days after the guy bought it for 666. So he bought it for 666 and then he's offered 5,000. Turns it down. And the next day he is offered 6,000, Tez. And he goes, no, nah, I'm good. He <laughs> <laughs> must know, be that, good. Gotta be, right? That's, but that's, he, he told me privately that he won't sell for less than 25,000 Tez. I love the move. Yeah. Just thinking long term. But um, so so other than those the series ones, when we get into this the the series and you've got that chase, that's like sort of gives it some utility at that moment because you're trying to achieve something out of it. Sorry about the truck going by New York. But um, the other thing is as you hold those those base cards, they 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 have utility and they that utility compounds. And so what we realized 
very early on is that because you had so many people trying to get these, that it was really all about that that chance to get them, which is why I wanted the bots out and wanted to give people a real chance. But it's still hard. And so I conceived long ago ways that you would, you know, the carts not just become more valuable monetarily, but they become more valuable with their utility. And, and the idea being that the older a card is, the more entries it gives you into, into those draws. And so over time, those get larger and the benefits of holding those cards, you know, grow and grow and they, they're exponential the way they would go up. Um, eventually you get to a point where, you know, the, the, the street value, the, the market value would be so great that you would have to, to consider losing, you know, losing out on that utility and, and finally cashing in your chips. But, um, but that's the, the big question that I hope everybody asks every time they're playing with one of these, which is, am I going to sell it today or am I going to hold it for the future utility or am I going to use the utility right now? And so you can, you can also use those base cards. You can turn in any three from a previous series. You can burn them. And when you burn them, they, they, they register that you've done that. And then you're, you can pick any, any card. You get a guaranteed slot. So if you burn three older base cards, you can say, I want the next number one. When you get it, or thirteen, or thirteen, right? So so far, as it's played out, one and thirteen have been the rarities. Um, but you know, that's who knows how that plays in the future. Hmm. So, oh, that opens up doors. So, do you think you would keep the pricing the same and then lower the additions on the first one and do it in reverse? <laughs> so, right, pricing is always, 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 always going to be the same. Okay, and that's one tez which is, you know, $2 and 40 cents or whatever today. One, one test for, for, for number one, whichever the last card in, in the series will never be more than 20. So typically so far it's increased like one, two, two and a half, four, seven up like that until it tops out at no, no more than 20. So far we've seen that it starts with the lowest edition number. So number one is the lowest count and then it gradually goes up. And if it's a long series, it reaches a point where it actually starts to gradually go down and it oh, ends cool. it ends where one and 13 are the same rare i didn't realize that because i guess i got a started of people on don't. a lot of people don't realize that and, and and there's very specific reasons for the numbering and um on the series that you were just a part of the middle card was 88 okay um which is the largest base card edition that that i'd ever done um and of course, they, you know, we had more than that that wanted them, and they sold out, of course, and and that's just sort of what happens with all of this. But but really, it was about a reaction to the marketplace. It was getting to the point by the time you got in, where series one series removed and two series removed, the floor was so expensive on them that it made it where nobody could use the utility of trading in three of them to get their guaranteed spot in the next round. Because why would you trade in thousands of Tez worth of, of right. cards? And so that still could be the case. Next series, the floor on this current series could go super high again. But at least people know that, okay, granted, the market value is XYZ. It's now 25X, right? But the utility is still there, and you only paid, let's say, four tes for it or two tes for it. And so, yes, the the market value is there, but there might not be any other chance but the utility to get one of those rare drops. If you, you know, uh, 
Nipples is, is one of, you know, your, your buddy was, is one of the, the examples. Today, he only needed one card. Yep. They dropped today in order to qualify for his chase. And he missed it. He didn't get it in the drop. And so if he'd gotten on the drop, he would have paid 20 Tez, but he immediately had to pay 100 Tez on the secondary market in order to complete his chase. Man, is so he that, 14 real bad? Right, right. And that's, that's where it, if he had had the utility, if he had had three series threes, he could have guaranteed himself paying, you know, drop value. And so even though that's what I'm talking about, you, you, the values on these things, they're, they're, they're just getting really, really aggressive. Which is funny because this is in the hen world where everybody's used to hen being sort of nickels and dimes, right? But, but the fact is now we're trading at sort of nifty pricing where, you know, the good stuff is 1000 to 2000 to $3,000, right? The lesser stuff is like in that 100 to 300 range. That's kind of where we are now. And so it's not outrageous as far as NFTs go. It is very expensive as far as hen goes. But that's where, you know, it's still hen priced if you want to get in. It's one to 20 tenths to get started. Exactly. If you get it on primary, you that's a normal hen price. Exactly. And so if you get it on primary, it becomes the major key here. So, so again, I want somebody next week when that next series drops and they want the number 001, I want them to go, oh, shit, this – this stuff on, on secondary right now, if I sold these, they're like 120 Tez each, and there's three of them. That's 360 Tez. I could sell them for 360 Tez, but I only spent eight Tez or 12 Tez on them. Yeah. That's crazy. So why don't I just turn that 12 Tez into a guaranteed number one, which now sets me up for the next series? Because if you get the number one, you can ball. You can roll with it. You Then you, you got the hard one out of the way, right? Yeah. And so I want people to, to really question that. We had one person in the second series, which would be series, series three, who burned three to get their number one. But that was the only one, which, of course, now you look back and you go, fuck, those were worth, you know, 1,500 Tez at this point. But he got a number one, which then set him up for the chase, which he's, he's done fine. I mean, so it really comes down. There's no bad decisions. It's just like personal strategies. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot of fun to play them all out. Like, if I would have scooped the four when I came in, if I understood all of this and what was going on, there were a lot of base cards out there for 15 Tez. If you just scoop up three of those, even if you were too late to get your full chase, I'm set up for number one on the next go-round. Exactly. You're set up for number one at 45 Tez if you bought the three of them. There hasn't been a number one that sells on secondary for less than 100, like, on the snap. So you know you're getting something that has more value than those 45. But then you're also, hopefully by the time that weekend is coming gone and you're going waiting for that next series, you've thought about it a little more and you go, well, shit, these have this compounding utility. So what happens there, and you, you might not even have really been aware of this because we haven't seen it play out yet. But every three series, like I said, it gives you extra drawings. But every three series, it also decreases the number that you need to use to burn. Oh. And so... So a series two, we're going into series five as we record this, right? Series five is going to be the first time where we see a full utility cycle play out on those series twos. So now series two, not only does it give you double the entries on your, you know, corresponding number draws, we call them holder draws, but it also now you only need to burn two of them to get a guaranteed card. Okay. Which again is like ridiculous because they're worth so much. Nobody's right. going to do that. But now let's think about you. You bought your your 
There's three cards for 15 each this week. Okay. Yep. And now nine weeks in, or nine series into the future, something comes out that's mammoth. And by that point, there's three times the amount of people playing. Mm-hmm. Very hard to, get. hard to get. Right. And so now you get to go, well, shit, I can get the first three of that series by trading in these that I only, you know, burning them, you burn these ones and at one per, it can go one to one. And so that utility, like I said, everybody's strategy can be different. There are people who flat out all they do and they've done it pretty much since day one is they come in, they buy my stuff and then they flip it and they make a shit ton of money and they, and then they come back. But that's, that's necessary to, to the, to the market. And it allows these collectors who miss to still participate, right? If they, if we didn't have that, if it were nothing but the 15 guys from Dot Pigeon Gang and the <laughs> 15 ballers who will buy anything that, that goes out there and those 30 people got it, that nobody would sell a card ever. And right. then that's the fun of it, right? Then this is the same as me painting one painting and it just sits in some guy's house. You need to have a, a liquid market and but that liquid market has to be protected against the bad actors, which would be the botters or the, the, the groups that, you know, collaborate together and collude together to, 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 you know, take out liquidity of a market. And so since I'm the guy and I see all of that, I make sure that doesn't happen. That's crazy, man. The way your, your brain works is just like, I could have never made this up, especially not when I was like nine. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I was, I was a genius at nine. And it's been downhill ever since. So it's it's taken me all this time to finally put into place something that I came up with at nine. And nine was like the pinnacle. You like peaked early. NFT. I peaked very out. early. And and it took this long without telling you how old I am because there are some ladies listening that we don't want to tip them off. <laughs> but but no, I'm I'm old enough that it's been a long time between that last genius idea and actually making it happen. So it's a timing game. NFTs come out and then you just dust off an old so, idea. So let's do this also. And this is your little bonus here. Um, because by the time this drops, Series 5 will be pretty much done. Um, but Series 5, you guys are familiar with the baseball team, the Chicago Cubs, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this we team are. that we're going we're gonna to drop starting on Monday is the Subs. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's all BDSM submissives. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, I'll keep that under wraps. Until that's <laughs> yeah, you you got to keep it under wraps, but just to give you, you know, to get a sense, because at this point we, I, I can't talk about too many teams, right? But so far we, we started with the NFT artists. Then we had the monsters, which were movie monsters. And there's a lot to be played out there. I love those because the, the painting on them is a lot of fun. They're, they're really intricate. They look where, awesome. That's that's where Godzilla comes from. The Godzilla that we're giving away, um, and, and we didn't even talk about that that the dynamic to that. I don't think. I think we did that on the last one, right? But um, the the way that Godzilla is being given away um, plays into this whole idea that it's like mammoth and and larger than life. And so when I painted that one, I worked through a number of of studies, okay, um, to to get there, and I ended up painting three different cards to to get to the point where I felt that it really conveyed this idea of an enormous dinosaur thing playing outfield for a <laughs> normal size baseball team. And so in the card that, that, that you guys were looking at, right. But it's, it's got Godzilla from about the nipples down. 
because yeah. he doesn't fit onto the card and it's taken like from the painting is like from the perspective of home plate like 350 feet away from him but it just shows like his lower two-thirds and he's got this huge tail which extends well into the stands and out over center field and everything but his head isn't even there and then so i did a portrait of his head down in the bottom because that's the, the design that goes with that that year but the idea being that how do i convey that this gigantic monster is playing the game and so you can know this too ahead of uh, real life but the three inserts that drop tomorrow which were voted on that mechanism by the the, the collectors in the the vault um but the three inserts will be those three studies that i did and so in order to get to that one of one i i painted three different um cards around it right and so even though only one person gets that one of one, which will be worth you know thousands, um, everybody sort of has a, sh a shot at being a part of that that Godzilla. And plus, it gives a little like insight into the process and, and stuff. And so that's really cool. So those three will drop, and 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 the one hundred of them again comes into this utility, right? Fifty of them, you just have to have a base card to enter, and that'll just keep you know us from being flooded by people who really shouldn't be in, in there just trying to get the big 5000 test payoff or whatever right yep um so you have to have a base card which means you're invested 15 tests or something and you then there's 50 of them to get into the next tier because there's three tiers of these there's 30 of them and you have to have a series three or a series two okay and then the the 20 which is the last one so there's 100 total you have to have a series two and so it rewards these these holders again, and there'll always be these mechanisms that, that reward you for for doing things the right way, right? Um, but the 100, then they'll be raffled. The, whoever holds those 100 inserts, and one of them gets Godzilla for free. Gets it's a drawing within a drawing. <laughs> exactly. Oh exactly. God. I love that drawing inception. It is. Yeah, I, I wish we already had the results to talk about because it's going to be madness. It's either going to be, you know. There's like a chance that it's going to be one of the rich guys who was going to buy it anyway, in which case they get a deal because they only spent, you know, 30 Tez or something in the drawing. Okay. Yeah. Or it's going to be some guy who has one card. Right. All, like 5,000 Tez is going to fall into their lap. And like, what are we <laughs> going to do? With what a lottery. You know I, what I, I, think, I, I think anybody that isn't one of those big players should absolutely sell it on auction. Just put it on auction and make those big guys run through their paces to get it yeah yeah that's like it this isn't i mean it's not similar but it has like the, the aspects of like what lush sucks was talking about with us with um nifty royale where as you you're like playing a game and every level you go you, like you eliminate nfts that are still in there so yours has more value so it's kind of like oh it exactly. has that aspect to it so oh there's 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 a ton of that and that's you know the the the, the justin you know blau dynamic to to uh faces into glass and and all of that right it was fascinating to watch that and there's a lot of, of sort of old trading card mechanisms that are at play there that make perfect sense on, on in my brain yeah. and so to watch that play out was was a lot of fun um but it was sort of like this this one-off and and you really didn't even see many people moving towards that and and slowly you're right. getting more more move into this utility dynamic but there's still a lot of people who believe that utility is a 
is a cop out. It's a way to to save struggling sales or or to prop up shit that isn't isn't great art, right? Yep. For me, it really a. I mean, I I'll put my paintings up against a lot of people. I, I really like my paintings, and I, I and I have a there's a there's a whole art project that's around all of this that eventually maybe people that care will see, right? But but for me, it's protecting the people that believe in you. And we have the we have the tools as artists to determine these mechanisms that I'm not going to say guarantee value, but certainly give people the best shot at holding it. You know, platforms aren't exactly on board with all of that, or or don't want to put it in, put that effort in for one particular drop. But that's where something like Hen has afforded me. I mean, look at this. I all I use them for is minting. We we like them for their secondary to a degree. But theoretically, we could pull everything from Hen's secondary and run it through the Discord. Right. I don't have reason to, but it, it, we could do that. All we need is the minting platform, and we can build the community around it. And, you know, I, there are a lot of guys who are a hell of a lot smarter than I am when it comes to writing smart contracts and, and doing all that. I've, I've employed those people in my past. I don't, I'm not one of them. So I'll never, I'll never write that amazing contract that makes all of this possible. Um, I'm still depending on other other people to do that, right? But really, it's it's my responsibility as the artist to a. I mean, you know, you know, without being critical, I, I want to say I, I see some of my peers who have early success and run to match that 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 secondary market, and they chase that secondary. Which is an old gallery trick. That's you know, a gallerist never wants you to charge the same price twice. They want you to always charge more. And we've been told that the concept there is that you can't penalize your former buyers. You need to instill that value. But what happens is you start chasing up that price to until <clears throat> there's no more wiggle room. There's nothing left to be made. And that's where an artist has a flop because they they charge too much. Now in the gallery world, that just means that they're done with you. Oh, you couldn't sell out, so you don't get a show there anymore. They've used you for what they needed. But as an artist, I'm able to to say, I'll, I'll, I'll I don't need all of that. Let let my collectors in these first seven weeks, if if we run the stats on it, the collectors made 83 percent of the total revenue on this project. And so I'm ta- I'm taking 17 percent, and the collectors are making 83 percent. And you know what? That, that should be how it is because other than my time in painting and my little bit of materials, I don't really put that much into it. Whereas these people are putting a lot into it. Let them, you know, get the spoils. All told, it, it means I get to live my life and, and be a, a professional artist and, and, and make ends meet and, and have a hell of a time. So I love it. I'm, I'm very happy with this setup, but I, I think I'm lucky that I have a, a business background that, that allows me to see markets in a different way than most artists do because they're just artists, right? But man, chasing your secondary is the worst thing that I see in this in this industry. Yeah, your utility really is a stabilizer for your own little ecosystem. Right. And I mean, believe me, I'm making really good money. You know, it's it's fine. I anybody anybody who came to the space and 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 got the returns that I'm getting would would have a very good life. I don't I don't need to I don't I don't maybe it's because I'm old and don't need the ego boost, right? I don't need to have a ten thousand test sale. I don't need to have some monster sale. Okay, 
it doesn't matter to me. What matters is that, you know, I haven't even said this, but there's two little rules to the grotto. And, and yeah. that's, that's flat out. I maintain everybody's value to the best of my abilities, and I don't fuck anybody over. Done. And that's it. That's it. All you can ask for. <laughs> and leave your pants at the door. Yes, exactly. So anyway, that's that's you gave me a little platform here, a little soapbox, and and it's not a it's, it's this isn't a condemnation. This is just a just saying we we we're rewarded really well for what we do. We can let other people have some of that money. We can let the the collectors not lose a ton. You know, it's important. <laughs> it seems like it seems like a basic. <laughs> I like that. Wait, oh, it's it is very basic. It's basic yeah. in the business world that you don't take every last penny from your customers. Yeah. <laughs> but in the nifty world, if we look at the last six months, it's very much been just get as much as you can as quickly as you can. Yep. And and then and now and now people are like, well, wait, what's happened to this market? What's happened to this platform? What's happened to this stuff? It's nose diving because you took it all. There's nothing else to go around. Right. And there's you know. 20 people at the top who made an absolute killing, but the middle people are the ones that destroyed things. And so be a middle person that's, that, that makes a good living and has fun and gets to do this every day, not gets to do it for six months and then has to go back to, you know, doing client gigs. That's the old man in me preaching. <laughs> <laughs> we got one more question for you, Threes, and thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely amazing. But what's your... What's your favorite baseball card and why? My favorite baseball card in real life is yeah. it's a 1957 Topps Elmer Volo. Okay. Now this is a guy, he's a nothing. He's a, he's a journeyman at best. Um, he's not an important player in any rationalization of it. He played <laughs> big league baseball for a little while. Great. But that card at first, it's this, it's the first set the tops produced that was actually made of photographs. It wasn't painted. Up until then, all the baseball cards had been painted. Some of them were photographs that were then like painted over, but but they were they were paintings that were turned into cards. Um, and so tops finally did color photography, full blown edge to edge picture, basically. So they're really pretty. But the picture of Elmer Vallo is he's first of all, he's got a huge wad of tobacco in his cheek. And he's got these huge guns for arms. They're just like, just manly, just just manly arms. He looks like, you know, he was probably a coal miner in the off season because they didn't get paid much. And he's got these huge arms and he's like not doing anything baseball. He's in the dugout and he's like fiddling with bats, like picking one out, I think. And there's like this 1950s camera, like television camera in there with the three eyes and the whole bit. And it's just... I love it. It's, it's a very cool photograph. And it's like, it just, to me, as a, as a former ball player, it tells me it's, it's like baseball was so much more than, than having a mitt on and being at the game. It was like this whole world around it. And for me to have a baseball card where they picked it of, you know, it's the first, oh, wow, we're doing a set of all photos. And they pick a photo of a guy, like, <laughs> doing some auxiliary nonsense. <laughs> it doesn't even look like he's in a baseball field. And I just love that. So, you know, but I'm also... Lab. I'm also in, insane. So is this the he's a Philadelphia Phillies? Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. All right, I'm looking at it right now. You get it for ten bucks right now online. Yeah, and I'll I'll paint all over it for even less than that. <laughs> well, perfect. So, yeah, but, I, but I'm but the, you're talking. I mean, 
like I said earlier, there, you don't need to know baseball. You don't need to know baseball cards. It, it's it's good if you can get some of the Americana references, but you don't. That's not what this is about. That's not what this project's about. But I really am a baseball card nerd. I'm reformed. I don't watch baseball anymore. I don't collect cards anymore. I don't do any of that. But it was my life for the first 20 plus years of my life, right? Yeah, I think a lot of people in the space can just resonate with the collecting aspect of, you know, your whole life just like collecting things. You know what I mean? Right. And that's and that's that's what this should be. Any this this isn't for any everybody. You know, I have certain uh, critics out there who who believe that this is not art and this is just a collectible game or whatever, and that's fine. But it's 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 geared to somebody who wants the intellectual chase aspect of it, the sort of figuring out the puzzle, the the strategy the, that has that that goes along with paintings of silly things, you know. Yeah, it was a delight to stumble into the grotto and, and start digging into those, um, you know, different mechanics and stuff. And it's a hell of a game you've created, art or otherwise. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And it's, it's uh, again, I just thank, thank you to the grotto and, and, and everybody that supports this. And, and we're just having so much fun. We'll keep doing it as long as we can. But thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. For sure. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. And Okay, sounds good. Take care, guys. Nice hey, to meet you, dude. Thanks again for your time. I am so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I think <laughs> I think we actually got some good stuff. Uh, whereas at the beginning, you guys were so nervous because you know I'm like the sex god. No, I'm starstruck. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what to do. <laughs> but I, I, I really, uh, I'm. I wish that we had the beginning where you knew it was Larry's birthday. <laughs> that was. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to repeat it because you know, but. It wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been the same. No. Oh, where'd you find that? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. We'll leave it at that. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. (laughs) Later. Damn, that's nifty. Just the scene in general right now, right? With um, punks obviously popping off. One of one's coming back. Um, Crypto, ETH, ETH kind of pumping again, people preparing for a fucking bull run, whatever it is. But it's been, it's been good. There's a lot of subtweeting. And <laughs> just in general, um, I guess first and foremost, you can take the punks because those are going crazy. Did you see like the general, like any of those sales besides like the Gary V? Like, I think it was 9 million or so. <laughs> like over the weekend or something stupid. So do you see the bids that come in? Do you see like the... Oh, uh, yeah, like $2.5 million and they're like, no thanks. I, every time I see it, I'm like, holy shit, someone just made a lot of money. Like, oh, no, that's an offer. Yeah, didn't take it. No. So it was... Um, Gary went in on a zombie, I think it was. I did see a zombie sale, yeah. And then but that one went for around that, right? Two and a half million? Yeah, yeah. Maybe over three. It depends on what the ETH was. I think it was like 1,600 ETH. But then not too short, too long after that, they turned around like a $2,200 or 2,200 ETH transaction for another zombie. So... Well, you saw the one guy, I think it's Keyboard Monkey. That's what I was going to bring up to you. Yeah, That's he bought exactly one for it. a million and flipped it in like a day for two million? It was, I think it was like a month. Oh, a month, okay. I think, okay. He, I think he bought uh, maybe Herpes Zombie or the but much in zombie and then turned around. It was like 1.1 million at the time, turned around and sold it for 1.9 in like a, in, in a month's time frame. So it's an easy month. It's a hot summer, but summer is almost over. We actually thought that it was going to be popping off during the summer. So it's a little bit slower than we thought. But then again, there's the whole 
the pandemic made everyone go inside and now it's summertime and everyone's outside and that might play into it. I don't know. We haven't seen a summer yet. No. So there's no way to know. No. Uh, and I think it's the, you're seeing the word out of the one of ones and, and obviously high end avatar projects. Apes are still pumping. Um, I mean, someone came in and swept like a, a hundred punks off the floor. Right. Uh, in, in, I don't What's know, the man. floor on a punk now? I thought they were like 40K, but that can't be the case no, now. No, no, no. It's probably closer to like 80 or 90. Um, I think the floor would might be, I don't know, somewhere between 25 and 50, which it's is like so, a pretty broad range. It's so like, good to see liquidity, though, where like people fast. can like get in yeah. when it drops back down a little bit. And they're like, okay, well, I saw what they did last time. Let me spend the 50K and then get a floor punk. Because honestly, I don't see much of the difference between some of the $2 million ones versus like the $50,000 ones besides it being an ape or a zombie or a robot. You know, like other than that, I mean, having a punk is having a punk. Like you're in the club no matter what. But you need two. You need two punks. Why do you need two? So you can sell one. You'll never, oh, you'll never right. realize okay. any type of gains if you just have one punk. That's actually, I never thought of it that way, but that's everything that we collect too. Like... I'm to the point yeah. where, like, you know how you buy stuff that you like? Yeah. That's what we've been talking and preaching about? Yeah. Now I've bought all the shit I like, and, like, I don't want to let any of it go. No. I've got fucking... I got seller's FOMO, for sure. I've been just sitting on all this stuff because I don't want to let it go. <laughs> I guess... That, and that's not really the point of it, but, like, I would like to make a little bit of money, so I got to I mean, start picking up things that I also think will do well. Talk about let it go. I mean, we just saw someone... Homeboy RD move move a nice. Oh yeah, the fire fire brand. Yeah, I, I doubled back and I and I and I told you I, I exchanged some messages about finding that piece of our podcast when we talked about how he bought that. Oh right, right. remember he was like so long and short as he's like I got sixteen sixty seven to spend here. He said he put in his bid, went on a walk, and I think he came back and it was he ended up only having to spend sixteen five. We'll it. put that clip in here. We'll put the clip in here. Yeah, Eric Young being out to lunch, yada yada. So here's the story behind that. That was the exact moment where I was able to to step up. Like I had done enough where I could step up my in, in like investment in the space, my collection. You know, everything could could go up a notch at that moment. But I, I didn't think that I would be able to land one. I just thought it would exceed price. Like, hey, listen, I could step up, but not that not that up at that moment in time. So I had this, uh, I'll tell the story now. I don't think I've ever actually said this. I set myself an exact exact budget for what I was willing to spend on a one-of-one Trevor and pack piece. And the first one that I went after was the not the one with the physical. It was the collab with the, the rotating cube, right? And it went to like 30, 30 35,000. I think E.T. Young might have won that one. And it comes around now to the version with the, the physical portrait. And I had 16667 in my mind, 16667 <laughs> was my exact upper limit. And the bidding's going. And I remember I was even on the, I was even like walking town because I just didn't think I had any shocks. I had seen all the, all the other auctions go uh, and whatever. And I'm walking town and I put my first bid. I'm like, ah, whatever. I'll show support, even though it's going to go way over. And I put the first bid in and I remember getting home and it was like, it's 16 something. I'm like, all right, let me, let me take my last, my last volley at this. And I, I think I put in, what was it? 16,650. <laughs> 16,650, done, right? And waiting and the timer's counting down and it ends. And 
I thought I found some sort of a, a hole in the universe. You know, I felt like and even, even later, even later, Eric Young was like out to lunch. He told me he was out to lunch or something. He's like, dude, you're lucky. I Literally back from lunch. I'm like, I, I guess I'm lucky you were out at lunch. <laughs> and here That's we are. Awesome. And here we are. There it is. Uh, good thing he was out to lunch. But yeah, uh, you're seeing the um, like with the X copies with his secondary base off those one of one sales, those one of one sales go crazy. And when you go back and look and see an X copy sold for one hundred and ninety dollars less than two <laughs> years ago. I know. He's an OG, though. I know, but nobody else I mean. was around for two years ago. It wasn't. I mean, some people were. If you were 2018 floating around buying. Imagine spending. When was the last time you blinked an eye at spending two hundred dollars on an NFT God. that you wanted? none but like i'll go out to dinner and be like shit i can't believe i spent 200 dollars on dinner yep <laughs> exactly exactly because that dinner's gone yeah <laughs> and you can't even prove i had it <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> proof of ownership you're gonna have to sit through my toilet yeah for real but like that piece to it too is like there's a physical behind that right um firebrand was sold in november we're not we're, we're inside a calendar year and right what are you talking on 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 turnaround on that? What X like? That's an, in my opinion a sale that is like a, uh, you know, it's kind of not everything after that, but it's like a benchmark. It's like okay, I'm, I'm bookmarking that point right, right. There because that's something that are, was around our time in terms of being in, and then seeing someone execute based off of you know an artist how the market has went throughout that time exactly exactly so it's like it tells you picking your spots too like knowing who is an artist that will appreciate and value like i mean nailed it what a great collab that is yeah and and i mean that's the fun of it and that's the fun of being so early i don't know man it's good to see stuff pick back up i feel like everything goes back in a loop to like nifty gateway where you got like aku's reveal i think eric young won that or ended up winning that auction, right? He the async it. piece. He named it from Christie's. Yeah, Addy. Oh, that was Eric Young that won that. Yeah, Moon God. Shout out. Named, yep, shout out Ey. Um, that's his daughter's name, I think he said. Oh, so nice. He ended up winning that named Addy Aku. Unreal. Yeah. That's awesome. What's the name? Addy. Addy. A D Y. Huh. Yeah, money. But now he's got. I mean, we're we're recording this, and he's got a, a drop live right now. Yeah. And, and that's collector rewarding, you know long-term outlook type of type of project and you it's one to keep your eyes on i mean yeah. this is going to be a major ip action figures this is going to be on kids walls like yeah aku will be around and then there's this uh really cool crusade going on right now with some artists it looks like it was spurred on by bill ellis belice belice going out there and scooping up his floor and getting ready to uh it's like reward collectors on his next couple drops and it's cool to see the other artists hop on the train too and be like fuck yeah i'm gonna go buy up some of my pieces too and do some giveaways and stuff so yeah and you can see it happen in real time right right and on twitter like, this is how should i do this i'm gonna all right this is what i'm doing i hit him up i was like dude look at this look at this like He's like, dude, I'm done spending for the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he bought a lot of cool stuff too. And he, I saw that he gifted Fuckrender all eight pieces, right? Yeah. I was like, dude, what? You just bought his thing? And then you <laughs> gifted it to him? <laughs> Thanks for buying. No, but that's cool because everything's all connected. And, and Fred <coughs> is actually one of those people that has always done that. So he's, oh, yeah, I can for sure. Like the, not like the, I wouldn't say like the buyback pioneer, but the secondary conscious 
take action type of dude. So definitely, that makes sense. And I hope he, I hope he sent the last one that Justin Mahler needed so he could get the book too. No chance. <laughs> He's gonna. Justin's got to pay for it. And Come now, on. and now the floor is gone. So if you didn't already buy one, there, yeah. pay up. Yeah, Justin, you're even more strapped. I don't think we can help now. Not that we could ever help, but. I mean, we'd also be remiss to not mention the fact that we now own a piece of a piece that we talk about a lot on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, you especially. I mean, you turned around a, you know, um, a twenty nine dollar profit. So you can't say you didn't, you know, not you didn't not make money. Um, but we now are partial owners of a a fractionalized last stand <laughs> with. The homie Naple, so shout out to Naple. Um, but it feels good to get back in. And I mean, I think we jumped in thirty five hundred bucks, um, and we're literally recording, watching them start pumping again. So, but the seriously, though, the floor is now at seventy five hundred. How, how does it feel to have it back? It feels like redemption. Yeah, it feels like ah, uh, maybe we can actually hold on to this one and not fucking <laughs> sell it for twenty dollars more than you bought it for. Seriously, this is like. Something that should last any 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 sense of time in this space, and it's gonna be, it feels good to have it back, and it's gonna be, and we now have two thirds of the slime Friday. That's right. Back. What are we missing? Mona, and we could have got Mona Sativa. Mona, Mona Sativa. That thing's gonna start pumping again. It's gonna start pumping. We gotta get it. it, it it's part of these forty dollars sixty nine cent pieces. But it feels really good to have it back. Just to know that someday we'll see it mm. on a screen and we'll, we'll own a piece of it again is good. This is how we're going to end it again. Yep. Okay. See you guys next week. Later. Damn, that's nifty.